We're back, everyone. And sorry about that hiatus, everyone. It's been a crazy, crazy few months, especially with this pandemic going on, getting vaccinated, and just moving forward with life. Um, hopefully, everyone is being safe. It's good all on your ends as well. Uh, things are good, getting better here where I'm at. And uh, thank you for tuning back into the podcast. Again, if you like what you hear, go ahead subscribe follow do whatever you're doing on whatever podcast platform that you're doing so sit tight this episode is about israel and palestine things have been going down in israel and palestine again and joe biden had the usual u.s response i was originally going to do a topic about u.s foreign policy President Biden's been knocking it out of the park in regards of handling the virus, supporting LGBTQ plus community, extending pay for families, and now possibly bending to a degree to erase student debt. Uh, honestly, I don't think he'll do 50K, but it's better than nothing if he actually does pass an executive order regarding that. Now, that's domestically. Internationally, U.S. presidents don't really knock it out of the park like that. Now, there won't be a perfect presidency with no friction anywhere. To paraphrase Dan Carlin on Hardcore History, he once stated even the nicest man on earth, Jimmy Carter, made some decisions that affected lives in other countries. Joe Biden, for example, is ending the long-drawn-out Afghanistan war, a war we've been in since 2001. So much turmoil came from it, and now leaving the country will open the door to more conflict especially with the Taliban regaining control of the country. The U.S. straight up caused more harm than good and didn't have an end goal in sight. The West has constantly dabbled to destabilize other governments and economies, sometimes leaving rubble for the locals to pick up. The CIA specifically infiltrated and influenced foreign politics, constantly doing that. But the ending of the Afghanistan war and American foreign policy are Topics for another episode. Now, first off, I don't care where you're from or who you've dealt with. This is not a religious fight. This isn't Judaism versus Islam. It's a country, a territory within, fighting over land. I say that because anti-Semitism is now increasing. I believe it's because of these events. People can be upset with the actions of Israel's government, don't be upset with the Jewish people. Demonizing individuals for another country's actions is wrong, full stop. Even people that have nothing to do with that country. I'm a black American. Even this country has marginalized my people. But I don't hate white people for it. I'm critical of the government for sure. And it's accountability for its past. Palestine was a part of the Mamluk Sultanate until they were overthrown by the Ottoman Empire in 1516. The Ottomans first governed them with local dynasties native to the land. Then clans took over such as the Zayadani and Muhammad Ali. Not the boxer. Don't think of the boxer. This is someone else, of course. Now, occupied under the Turks of the Ottoman Empire, the Palestinians won out, but didn't have the resources or the allies to help until World War I. British forces, part of the Allied powers, fought the Ottoman Empire, which was under the Central Powers during the Great War. 
Seeing an ally in the enemy of the Ottoman Turks, the Palestinians worked with the British, expecting liberation if the Ottoman Empire was defeated. After the defeat of the Central Powers, the Ottoman Empire was dissolved, parts of the country was divided, and this is the beginning of the modern West meddling in the Near and Middle East affairs. The Allied Powers installed leaders in the newly formed countries. France took over some parts of the Ottoman Empire of the North. As for Palestine, Britain took over and occupied the country under the League of Nations. Think of a precursor to the United Nations. In, in accordance to the McMahon Agreement, the Allies promised they would win back Palestine to the Palestinians, but the British reneged the agreement, agreement saying that wasn't part of the deal, because they promised the Jews that they would give them the land cited in the Balfour Declaration. After World War I, the British government openly supported for establishment of a, quote, national home for the Jewish people, end quote, in Palestine. So by now, the year is 1920. In 1921, there were skirmishes of conflict, but overall, both Palestinians and Jews were living peacefully in sense of tolerating, tolerating each other. No segregation or apartheid or anything like that. Then August 1929, high points, just boiling points reach for everybody. And both nationalities were expecting the land to be given to them by the British government. Then the fight over Jerusalem went down. A holy city with holy sites, of course. And 200 people died in four days. Over the years, migration of Jews increased. By 1937, tensions were terribly high. And they saw each other and the British as enemies. Trying to appease both parties, the British put in a quota on how many Jews could enter the country. They could still enter, but at a lower rate. This led to more strife, but now specifically towards the British. The Palestinians thought they were lied to, and the British didn't hold their end of the quota bargain, and the Jews attacked the British since the quota was unfair to begin with. By 1947, the attacks continued. After World War II, several nations they felt sympathetic to the Jews after the Holocaust and thought they deserved their right and what was agreed to them. The newly formed United Nations replaced the League of Nations and that Britain was using to occupy the country, and they ended up partitioning Palestine in two zones, one for Jews, which was Israel, and another for the Palestinians as Palestine. The British withdrew the country in May 1948. Now, almost overnight, several Arab nations didn't recognize the country as official, and it declared a war that lasted from that May to the following January of 1949. Over the decades, the fighting hasn't stopped, and Israel took over the West Bank, Gaza Strip, and temporarily the Sinai Peninsula. To put it simply, Israel and Palestine are more than unruly neighbors. Israel not wanting to be wiped off the face of the earth because the second day the country was formed almost Every Arab nation was declared war on them, and 
Israel strengthened their relationship with Western countries. If they've gotten more power, more money, more weapons, they use those tools against the Palestinians and their land. And they literally just conquered it. Palestine was there beforehand, but there's they have no army. It's, there's a undeveloped territory. Their importation is controlled by Israel, and several people have compared the state of Palestine to an open-air prison. Over the decades, it's gotten worse. And seven years ago, the summer of 2014 was a bloodbath. An unprovoked invasion was declared. Photos and videos of IDF soldiers using kids as human shields and attacking civilians were brought to the world. Fast forward to this year, just in the middle of May, at the beginning of the Islamic holiday, Eid, another invasion was declared. Churches, hospitals, and homes were bombed. Hundreds of Palestinian civilians have been killed, and now people around the world are calling for Israel to stop. Israel conducts all-out invasions in Palestine and literally take over the country, diminishing it and increasing their own in the name of self-defense. Now, the U.S.'s stance in all of this has always been support Israel and not to call them out on their war crimes. Why? I don't get it myself. Now, some presidents have called for a ceasefire, and the closest thing to a peace was uh, under Bill Clinton's presidency with the Peaceful Pact. Americans labeled it as, quote, peace in the Middle East, end quote, during the 90s. I remember hearing that a lot when I was growing up. Peace in the Middle East. You put up your peace, put up the peace sign with your fingers. Now, by the late 70s, Jordan and Palestine's governing body, called PLO, were in conflict with Israel. But in 1987, a shocker happened. Jordan's King Hussein, he renounced administration control of the West Bank, and left PLO empire. As for Palestine, Yasser Arafat, that guy, the leader of the PLO, pre-proclaimed Palestine an independent state in the West Bank and Gaza Strip. One month later, he denounced any terrorism, recognized Israel's existence, and opened up the door to negotiations titled, quote, Land for Peace, end quote. The negotiations went on in secret between a Jordanian-Palestinian delegation and an Israeli di diplomat in 1991. And things were taking a turn for the better, actually. A new prime minister came into power in Israel. Excuse me for butchering some of these names. I'm, please, I'm not trying to, but Yitzhak Rabin, and he pursued peace talks. And any Israel-occupied territory couldn't be built up anymore. Uh, they were just going to put a halt on those settlements. And by September of 1993, Israeli Prime Minister uh, Yitzhak Rabin and Palestinian Liberation uh, Organization, the PLO negotiator, Mohammed Abbas, signed a Declaration of Principles on Interim Self-Government Agreements, commonly referred to as the Oslo Accord. President Clinton didn't play a major role in these talks, but he offered his support to both parties, especially by hosting it in Washington, D.C. The agreement was signed on the South Lawn of the White House. The terms called for withdrawal of Israeli troops from the Gaza Strip and West Bank town of Jericho. And to quote them both, Rabin said, We, the soldiers who have returned from the battle stained with blood, 
We who have seen our relatives and friends killed before our eyes. We who have fought against you, the Palestinians. We say to you today in a loud and clear voice, enough of blood and tears, enough. Arafat, the guerrilla leader who for decades was targeted for assassination by Israeli agents, he declared, quote, The battle for peace is the most difficult battle of our lives. It deserves our utmost efforts because the land of peace yearns for just and comprehensive peace, end quote. Now, in September 1995, Robin and Arafat both won Nobel Peace Prizes and agreed on their terms for self-governing democratic Palestine and acceptance of both countries. By November 4th, Robin was assassinated by extremists at a peace rally in Tel Aviv. The successor, Perez, came in power to pursue more peace. However, the terrorist attacks erupted and he lost power to Benjamin Netanyahu. Netanyahu. That guy. <laughs> this was in 1996. And peace talks fell off even after the Din leaders they took control of both countries. And then when George W. Bush came into office, he was pro-Israel. He didn't support any peace talks. He ignored any contact from Arafat when he wanted to support British's war on terror. And Bush didn't try to stop Israel as they reconquered the West Bank and more territory in 2001. Things were regressing back to when they were. The Arab League tried more peace talks, but after the death of Arafat, Muhammad Abbas took over the PLO in 2005 and thus gave Hamas, a terrorist organization, control over the PLO. So then they actually had a governmental control of, over Palestine. So peace is a far cry, or it looks like it with the constant violence. Both country has a right to defend itself. However, Israel is now a rich nuclear powerhouse. They have more weapons and money, money than ever before within the past couple decades. And they're backed by the strongest governments of the world. Israel invades and attacks under the guise of self-defense, but it's literally to wipe out Palestine as they force people out of their homes. Total deaths from 2008 to 2020 have been 5,590 Palestinians and 251 Israelis. So, in April and May of this year, of course, there's, you guys heard of it, there has been, like, strife between the two. There was a ceasefire for a while, and now there's strife again. But um, this was a crazy one. It was as wild as... Uh, May of 2014, uh, the summer of 2014, I was just talking about. Um, just on the 16th, um, some 950 targeted attacks went down. Uh, 18 buildings, including four high-rise towers, were destroyed. 40 schools, four hospitals, uh, and a refugee camp was destroyed, uh, several medical facilities, 19, I believe, have been damaged and destroyed um, by Israeli bombardment. And on the 17th, the UN estimated that the Israeli airstrikes destroyed 94 bu buildings in Gaza, comprising 461 housing and commercial units, including the Al Jala high-rise, 
housing official high housing offices of the Associated Press in Al Jazeera and 60 condominiums. These guys, they attacked hospitals before um, the IDF. They aimed for hospitals back in uh, 2014. But the fact that, uh, I mean, that itself is a war crime. <laughs> hospitals are supposed to be off limits. But then you attack the press, too. They literally sent a warning to Al Jazeera and told them to leave the building because it was targeted. And they had to grab everything they had to go. Uh, these guys, this is a progressive podcast, right? I'm seriously just trying to look at things just at the sense of I'm against hate crimes. I'm against any war crimes. I'm against war in general. And in any war crime, it doesn't matter what nation it is, even with the United States, it's not correct. It should be called out for it and it should be recommended for it because what that is is just extreme excessive violence just to say extreme violence and actually a way of uh, oppression and trying to control the narrative if you attack the press you're really trying to stop them from doing their job of reporting of what they're seeing on the ground Um, if you attack schools and hospitals they have no dog in a fight you're just literally trying to attack a place where the injured are to make them, guess what, more injured to kill people. Uh, that's literally a place trying to house or protect people. Now, the, I understand people say like they have rockets in the hospitals and rockets in the schools. That I'm not sure about. They probably do. I'm not going to sit there and just denounce and say, no, not at all or anything like that. I don't know the full facts. But I do know for a fact that they do aim for places like that. Even if there aren't any weapons on there, they still aim for What rockets were under the Associated Press? What weapons did Al Jazeera have, for crying out loud? You know, that's what I'm saying. These guys, the IDF, are aiming for these, which should be neutral targets. I mean, Jesus Christ, think of Ferguson. Think of those protests back when those unarmed people were just protesting. And then the police started attacking them every single night. They started manhandling all of the press. Hell, not just the press. Amnesty International was there. And they forced them out of the protest. Just out of just being there. Amnesty freaking International. Yes, that was the American police that did that. So I am seeing a comparison there, a sick comparison there, especially at the same time as Ferguson. There was a lot of Palestinians out there marching with the African-Americans and telling them to pour milk in their eyes with tear gas because, oh, we've experienced this a lot back home. We know how we know how to counter this. It's crazy. It's crazy. But I mean, just to go back to the main topic is that these attacks happen. And they're just not attacks. You can attack somebody, but to invade, destroy their homes and retake what just to take what they have. Now, that's what's uncalled for right there. That's not self-defense. I don't care what anyone says, you know, I can hate the hell of my neighbor. But if I go attack my neighbor every single week and try to occupy his home, then that's going to put me in the wrong right there. Uh, Like I see a comparison. I'm thinking of comparisons like the Native Americans. What happened there? I mean, you, you'll have people back in the day. Why I say back in the day, think of frontier times who are always fighting them. 
let's think about that. Their land, trying to build up their frontier towns on their land, but they looked at the Native Americans and thought they were greedy and that they were in self terrorists attacking them. But these guys are just trying to protect what they had that was just left, which is very little bit. Uh, it's so crazy what's going on. But, I mean, the death toll of this year? Now I'm going off of the report of the United Nations Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, OCHA. And just looking at that, it says 256 Palestinians were, well, they died in uh, just the week of May 21st to the 27th. 66 children have been killed. In Israel, at least 13 people have been killed, including two children. The thing could break down just from there in this report that nine hospitals are partially destroyed, 19 clinics are damaged, education facilities, 58 were damaged, uh, 800,000 people with no regular access to safe piped water, five hours a day of electricity. The thing is, this is, call it excessive. It's just not even necessary, seriously. Just to attack schools, um, clinics, hospitals, mosques, places of worship, and shoot, even the freaking press. That's just there to show the world what's happening. And to sit there and say, ah, you know, there's terrorists over there doing this is literally out of line and this is a blatant lie that's that's the thing that's the insult to us about that is that we see the idf just doing all these crazy things and they just roll it off and just say whatever it is and seriously the western powers just go forth they're like okay you guys go ahead over there um that's nuts what is happening in Israel? Try to think of it as manifest destiny in the United States or the British occupation and takeover of Australia. You have a set of people colonized on this land backed from a superpower. The colonizers have skirmishes with the people of the land but reaffirm themselves. The colonists consolidate their power using greater weapons. Instead of staying where they are and work things out diplomatically, they take over the territory of the invaded people piece by piece, and the colonizers claim that it's rightfully theirs. By the end of the day, the land is entirely colonized and the native peoples are marginalized. Simply put, that's it. Currently, it's an apartheid state being colonized. 